This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. We've got a fantastic program for you today. Of course, all the uh, hottest apps, tips and tricks, and our Hot 5 app countdown. This week, it's Hot 5 Sexy Valentine's apps. I know we're all wanting to hear those, <laughs> but let's uh, let's start with some of the uh, the app news uh, that uh, is happening uh, this week. Uh, Twitter has a new beta app in its uh, bid to remain valuable and relevant. Uh, Graham, you still use Twitter a lot? Uh, you know, I, I do and I don't. Um, Twitter's become an interesting place and a very interesting social network simply because obviously there is Twitter user number one, he who shall not be named, uh, who a lot of people are following. But it's still a very good place to have almost soapbox style conversations where people can uh, make statements about things. Uh, you know, you'll see things in comments that happens great for news releases, but we're really not seeing sort of the, the, the more engaged, more personal social interactions that we see on other social networks. So for me, um, I find it to be great for things like press releases and stuff like that. I don't typically use it for a whole lot more because the, the quality of the conversation has been quite low. And so when we look at this new beta, it's directly addressing that, looking to change the tone of the conversation and make it more more civil and more interesting and, again, more relevant. Are they trying to make it more kind of a messaging-type app? Uh, I can see they're trying to do different colors for the different conversations and, and things going on in the new beta app. I, I think you're right there. And this is actually something where we're seeing both Twitter and Facebook come across this sort of revelation together. Um, you know, messaging, I think, is going to be the next generation of, of how we are going to communicate uh, online. And, you know, Twitter's seeing that with this new app, but we're also seeing that Facebook is starting to integrate uh, a number of their platforms, not on the front end where, you know, all the stuff happens, but uh, WhatsApp and Messenger and Instagram are all being tied in together on the back end with their messaging components. And, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about here in the past is that, uh, you know, the persona that we all put forward online is not really us right it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a face that we put on and where we are most real is when we are talking with people that we care about in private situations and so for google and for twitter and for facebook if they're looking to create a more accurate profile of who we are they, they don't need to be looking at our posts and they don't need to be looking at our interests they need to be looking at the conversations that we need to have and it seems like all three of those groups are attempting to do that right now also in uh, news this week, uh, this uh, is near and dear to Christina's heart. Tinder settles age discrimination lawsuit with $11.5 million worth of super <laughs> likes. And so what was basically happening happening here is Tinder, uh, one of the more popular uh, dating apps out in the market right now, uh, had different uh, tiers of service for their users. Uh, one of them uh, was Tinder Plus, introduced back in 2015, uh, gave users perks like the ability to rewind, rewind swipes, more super likes, and the option to swipe for people located in other countries as well. But they were actually charging uh, users that were 30 years old and older, uh, double what they were charging people that were 29 years uh, and under. Christina, how do you feel about this? Well, this is sort of insulting, isn't it? <laughs> so apparently we, we're getting hit harder for using dating apps if we're older than 30. And when did 30 become old? That's the uh, question I'd like answered. <laughs> well, Gr Graham and I have known for years how old we are, but uh, it's good to see you're part of the old timers club now. See, I, I thought you were paying the, the lower rate, so that's that's just got me there. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> 
so uh, it's uh, $9.99 for uh, the, the younger folks and $19.99 for users 30 and up. Uh, but uh, a class action lawsuit in California filed last April. Uh, and I think uh, they had over 230,000 other class members uh, basically won this lawsuit. Uh, the company now has to pay all these class action uh, lawsuit members a combined $11.5 million in compensation. For dropping the claims, uh, class members receive 50 super likes and an additional choice of a $25 check or 25 more super likes or a free Tinder Plus or Tinder Gold subscription. It's like this is comical. <laughs> well, it, it is comical. <laughs> this it is, is the compensation. <laughs> I know. It's stupid, right? And this only applies in California. So everywhere else, they can still get away with uh, charging, uh, you know, seniors over the thirty over thirty years of age double for their uh, their plus subscription. You have to wonder how companies even think they're going to be able to get away f- with this. I'm just this, wondering why Tinder thought that they could even get away with this. I mean, what's the reasoning here? Next thing I know, I'm going into a grocery store, and because I'm over 30, I'm paying double for a loaf of bread. Why do they think they can get away with this in the digital world? Well, they did for a while, uh, but fortunately, justice has been served in California. Uh, also in uh, the news, uh, this was interesting. I didn't know this. Samsung phone users uh, found that they couldn't delete the Facebook app. So this is an interesting story for for a big reason, and that is that we've gotten used to having so much baked-in software on every device that we purchase. Everything from our laptops to our phones have baked-in apps in them. But yet, because it's Facebook and we've gotten a little bit sensitive about Facebook's privacy policies, we're all up in arms about this. But we're okay with everyone else's baked-in apps, like Google, which tracks absolutely everything that you do. So it looks like Facebook has actually done deals with uh, a lot of phone manufacturers uh, to make sure that uh, their app is hard-baked uh, right into the smartphone operating system, uh, so you uh, can't essentially uh, delete it. So um, it's yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of disturbing. You should be able to uh, have whatever apps you want uh, on your smartphone and be able to delete whatever apps. Because you know, if if you can't delete a certain app, you'll always be wondering. And especially in Facebook's case, are they still tracking data on you? We we saw this for a very long time where people were you know, very, very upset with Apple because they couldn't remove the default apps on iOS. And they were thrilled with Android because you could do whatever you want with it. And now we're in a situation where you can remove the default apps on iOS and you now have an unremovable app on Android. But, but if we look at it objectively, Android is connected to the Google platform inherently. And so you're, you're sort of in that ecosystem no matter what you do, right? Well, unless, of course, you live in Europe, where they've actually forced them to disconnect all of the apps separately um, and charge a fee for for uh, Android as well. So I think we're starting to get to a point now where users do have a little bit more choice. So it's interesting to see Samsung go backwards on this. Yeah, it'll uh, be interesting to see. Uh, you know, you mentioned Europe, uh, Graham, and they uh, have much stricter uh, data privacy laws uh, there now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly a lot of uh, those laws uh, you know head over here to North America uh, and other uh, jurisdictions around the uh, the world as well uh, finally in the app news this week uh, Roku is launching premium subscriptions for Showtime stars and other services down in the US on the Roku channel and 
you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Roku is one of the biggest smart TV platforms out in the market today. They've got, of course, their little Roku boxes and sticks that you can plug into any TV to make it smart. But uh, a lot of TV manufacturers, especially the Chinese ones like TCL and Hisense, are actually uh, baking Roku right into their television. So it's uh, part of the uh, the operating system. But I think this is going to be interesting in the next 10 years on how this is going to affect uh, the cable providers, you know, you know, we're talking about Shaw and Telus, Bell, Rogers, as more of these smart TVs will allow you to actually get your favorite channel subscriptions right through their service instead of going through cable. I know for myself personally, I haven't actually had cable in a really, really, really long time. It's going to be over half a decade now. And so, you know, I'm, I've, I've got Crave, I've got Netflix, and I'm doing all of that through my Apple TV. Uh, if I didn't have an Apple TV, Roku would definitely be the choice that I personally would pick. I, I find their platform to be kind of the, the easiest and actually the most cohesive right now. I mean, being able to subscribe to all these services in one place is actually a really nice choice. Um, but, uh, but kind of looking at it, you know, I, I, I kind of I feel for the, the cable providers at this point because there's an entire generation that's growing up right now that I've never known them and never really want to know them either. And, and, and they won't. Christine, I know you haven't had TV uh, cable or cable TV for a number of years now. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was like to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I can't remember the experience anymore. It's been so long. And I think that's the way that a lot of people are going to go. I mean, I thought my parents would be the last people on earth to get digital subscriptions and replace their, um, their cable TV, but they've done it. And, well, they and have successfully. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's going to be interesting to, to see this shift of, uh, how people get their, uh, their content. Uh, obviously, the cable providers are are really trying hard right now to obviously hold on to their customer base and offer different uh, types of uh, packages. But uh, you know, as we've seen, these uh, these different content uh, makers and and studios are basically putting out their own channels. You know, we have HBO; uh, they've got their their own channel. Uh, obviously, Netflix is a huge huge content uh, maker now. Hulu is uh, big down in the States. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of money on the table, especially as more of these services become available and uh, millennials obviously uh, will take uh, advantage of them. And we'll, uh, we'll see how the, uh, the older folk uh, actually uh, uh, glom onto this as well. You know what's actually interesting, Mike, and this reminds me that my grandma actually asked me to bring her a Roku stick last time I visited her in Europe. Um, so I actually packed one of these in my suitcase and brought it to her and taught her how to use it. And That's how, where we're at. <laughs> and, and how was that? Did she figure it out? Oh, yeah. She uses it all the time. I taught her how to use it. And she she has, you know, her script for the steps she needs to take. And she takes only those steps and doesn't do anything else with it because she's scared she's going to screw it up. But that's fine. She's in her 70s and she's using a Roku stick. I never thought this would happen. But she heard about it and she asked for it. Um, so I think we're definitely the learning curve. Um, we're at the point where even the older generations are getting on board here. Because it's easy enough to use. Easy enough to use. That's right. 
When we come back from the break, we have a lot more to talk about here on the App Show. Did you use the FaceTime group calling? Well, there was a bug that actually let you listen in on conversations before you connected. We'll find out all about that. Plus, we'll also be talking with our friend Igor Bonifacic from Mobile Syrup about the Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram merger in the back end and what that means for its customers. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, if you're following the uh, app news this week, uh, big security issue with iPhone users and FaceTime. Uh, apparently, uh, a security flaw allowed iPhone users to uh, basically uh, drop in on contacts via FaceTime. To help understand what it was all about and what happened, we've got our expert on the line, Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So give our listeners kind of the, uh, the Coles notes of uh, what happened here. It's a, it's a little complicated, um, and every time I explain it, I, I end up confusing myself. But <laughs> essentially what happened, um, and I guess I could just quickly just mention that uh, this wasn't something that Apple disclosed ahead of time, and it was kind of discovered on Twitter. Like just a random person posted a video of the exploit, and then the tech media started picking up on it. So essentially it takes advantage of FaceTime's group calling feature, which launched um, just a couple of months ago, actually, and it was delayed a bunch of times to apparently due to technical issues. So the way it works is you input someone's phone number and then add the number of an additional person through the group FaceTime feature. And while waiting for that first individual to pick up, if the second participant answers, the auto audio feed from that first contact um, is automatically turned on. So you're able to hear what they're saying before they have actually answered the call. Um, and that that's the big thing here, right, is is you're able to listen to what someone's saying before they've really picked up um, the call. Uh, and that's kind of the gist of the situation. And Apple's disabled uh, group calling with, with FaceTime as soon as this, this news broke to the, to the company's credit and says that there's an update coming out um, at some point. In the near future, I think they specifically said this week that we'll um, fix the exploit. Well, this is uh, this is pretty interesting, uh, and you know, it, it must be complicated to create this kind of uh, software to uh, you know obviously enable uh, group uh, calling. Uh, but you said it actually broke on Twitter, which was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, did many other people say that they were able to replicate it? Yeah, uh, so I think one of the first websites to replicate it was 9to5Mac, and then uh, Bloomberg did it as well. I was able to replicate it myself. It took a couple tries, um, but it, it is relatively easy to do. And I think, for me at least, the big thing here is whether or not um, Apple knew about the problem before this news broke about it and how long the company it ahead of time. Um, because the latest uh, iOS beta, the exploit doesn't work. I had a device running running that specific version of the iOS beta, and you weren't able to do it with that uh, with that device that had it installed on it, which leads me to believe that Apple did know about it ahead of time uh, and was perhaps keeping it quiet because they knew it was going to blow up into this big thing. Um, so that that's, I think, a big point of contention with the controversy surrounding it is just how long Apple knew about the exploit um, but before it was revealed. Well, it's interesting. You actually wrote a really great article up on mobilesyrup.com uh, where you said, uh, taking that flaw a step further, The Verge uh, was reporting that if the recipient of the conference call presses the power or volume button to ignore the call, video as well as audio is broadcasted without the recipient's knowledge. 
Yeah, I, I personally wasn't able to get that one to work, but I did see multiple examples of people doing that. Um, so yeah, that, that's even a little bit scarier and potentially even more serious because you're getting video and audio without the user's knowledge. How serious of an issue is this for Apple? I, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, I didn't really hear much mention of it during the company's earnings call this week. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the biggest security exploits that I've seen in Apple's history. We've seen other stuff from other companies that perhaps is, is more serious. But um, for a company that really prides itself on its privacy and its security, I mean, at, at CES, they had like that big banner um, banner ad on one of the casinos talking about how privacy is uh, a big emphasis for what Apple does. For this to happen... Um, it kind of like goes against their ethos and, and what they're always at least outwardly putting out um, as a company. Well, at least they uh, were uh, quick to actually uh, disable that feature on, on FaceTime when it uh, did break. And it uh, apparently is uh, fixed in the latest uh, version of iOS uh, 12 that will be coming out. Patrick, I want to thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Again, that was Patrick O'Rourke, uh, one of our good friends over at MobileSyrup.com, talking about the FaceTime exploit that uh, broke this week. When we come back from the break, still a lot more to talk about here on the App Show, including our Hot 5 app countdown. This week, it's Hot 5 Sexy Valentine Day apps. We'll also be talking with Igor Bonifacic uh, all about Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram messaging all merging together. Is that a good thing for consumers? We'll find out. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Before we get to our Hot 5 app countdown this week, uh, and that would happen to be the Hot 5 sexy apps for Valentine's Day, Graham, you've got a Facebook tip for us. Yes, indeed I do. So your Facebook tip of the week is actually, it's, it's kind of a handy one for customizing the Facebook app. I realize that not a lot of people realize that you can do this, but in the last couple of iterations, I don't know if you've noticed, but the shortcuts at the bottom of your app can change. Do you know this? No. Okay, so basically the way that this works, if you look at the bottom, you'll see a number of different icons for different shortcuts to different parts of Facebook. And in a lot of cases, videos right in the middle, uh, you'll see, um, in some cases, your list of friends, your feed. Um, and so if these are not helpful for you, you can change them. Now, in my case, Marketplace was showing up. And I'm really not interested in buying or selling things to my friends, so I wanted to get rid of it. So to do that, you can press and hold on the icon, and it will bring up a window asking, is this shortcut relevant to you? And you can choose yes, no, or cancel. Now, it took me a little bit of time, but I kept actually telling Facebook that this was not relevant to me, and it replaced my Marketplace icon with a Groups icon, which I actually do use on a regular basis. So that is your tip for the week. If you are looking at your Facebook app and thinking, I never use this icon at the bottom, I'm trying to do this with video right now because I don't use Facebook video at all. And if it comes up in my feed, I watch it, but I don't actually use it like YouTube where I'm kind of scrolling through. So press and hold, choose as to whether it's not it's relevant for you, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to get some of those icons replaced when Facebook feels like it. Oh my God, I love that. I didn't know that. I hate that, market, I hate that Marketplace app. I want to yep. get rid of it. And now there you we can. go. <laughs> okay, well, it's that time. This week, the Hot 5 app countdown is Sexy Apps for Valentine's Day. And uh, Graham, we'll start off uh, with the Sexy Scratch Game. Yeah, this one's fantastic. Uh, so basically, uh, you can put in your preferences. Uh, so foreplay, location, and position. Uh, I presume that only means like, you know, CEO or something like that. Uh, and location <laughs> is hopefully in your house and 
behind closed doors. But you can shake uh, your phone after you put these things in to randomly generate a combination and you scratch it off like a scratch card. Uh, so this is, this is one for iOS. It's kind of fun. Uh, and if you wanted to use this on, on Android, there's actually an app very similar to it called Naughty Dice. I'm not sure what the dice have done, but apparently uh, they've been quite naughty. Number four on the Hot 5 app countdown this week, we're talking about Hot 5 sexy apps for Valentine's Day. Christina, it's Sex Life Planner. Yes, so if things have been a little slow in that department for you, you can sit down with your partner using this app to actually create a to-do list of your fantasies. Uh, it comes preloaded with some suggestions, uh, and you once you have your list, you can just check them off as you go. I have to say, guys, this is my favorite Hot 5 app countdown, and the only reason is because I know Christina is because just I am dying. Sweating. <laughs> yeah, sweating. Just cringing right now. <laughs> I'll take the next one. Uh, I feel like this is the wrong show for this. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it is Valentine's the app Hot 5. So. It's the Hot 5 Valentine's app countdown. So, yes, it's very relevant this week. Uh, number three is the iChemist. I Kama Sutra, uh, with over 110 different positions available to choose from. Uh, it's only $2.99 on uh, iTunes or the Android market. There's bound to be one you and your partner haven't tried. Work your way through them all, and you can see your progress on a chart or hit the random <laughs> button for a surprise. You can also search by adjusting sliders for the amount of intimacy, complexity, and physical strength the position requires. 110. Collect them all like Pokemon. Fair. It, Great. it is very much. Uh, number two on the Hot 5 app countdown this week for sexy Valentine apps. Sex and marriage, Graham. Uh, so sex and marriage, another fun way to explore your relationship. This is on iTunes or on the, on the Apple uh, App Store. So it's got an assortment of uh, spicy tips and spicy games. Uh, they're very uh, simple suggestions like um, uh, pick up a, 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 a bottle of whipped cream, uh, which I can only imagine means you're going to be making desserts together. Um, a bed of rose petals or a sexy photo shoot. Uh, portrait mode would probably be fantastic on your iPhone for that. And uh, the number one uh, app on the Hot 5 app countdown, the Hot 5 sexy apps for Valentine's. Uh, Christina, I'm going to let you do this one as well. Can do for couples. You're welcome. Yes. If you... <laughs> We're also very mature on this show because this segment has been all giggles. <laughs> Apparently, we cannot talk about this with a straight face. No. Anyway, if you're having trouble communicating wh what you want from your partner, this is the app for you. This one's available for $1.99 on the Android market, and it's designed to minimize the embarrassment while helping you explore your desires with ideas that range from, from romantic to raunchy. Uh, you basically answer questions about different fantasies and see which ones are a match so you can do them together. This is hugely helpful. I mean, uh, if you've got a thing for, say, for example, Star Trek uniforms, great way to broach the conversation. <laughs> We're going to stop there because I don't want to know any more about uh, you, Graham, uh, that I, I, I need to know. That was Let your Hot 5. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that was our Hot 5 app countdown, Hot 5 sexy apps for Valentine's Day. We got that from techlicious.com. When we come back from the break, still lots more apps to talk about here on the App Show. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Time to talk messaging. Some of the biggest services right now would include Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram messaging. And guess what? They're all owned by the same company, Facebook. Well, now there's news that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, is uh, saying that he wants to merge 
all the back ends of those three messaging platforms so that they're all able to actually share messages between all the different services. On the line, we have our good friend Igor Bonifacic, mobile and tech expert from MobileSyrup.com. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me. So why should we care about this? Uh, I know lots of people use these messaging programs. They're kind of the default ones that are out there right now. Why is this an important story? Yeah, so uh, one of the tidbits that came out in the New York Times report that uh, kind of detailed uh, Mark Zuckerberg and company's plans about this is that Facebook plans to uh, kind of integrate all of these three systems together, the underlying infrastructure that governs them. And then there was also the suggestion that they might extend two-factor authentication, which is kind of a privacy-oriented feature um, across all three platforms. Uh, right now, as it stands, uh, WhatsApp is the only of the three platforms that supports two-factor um, by default. And something I've heard is that you know, there's some worry that there might be a weakening of that to accommodate uh, WhatsApp integrating with the other three. So there is this kind of a sense of like erosion of privacy. Now we haven't seen, the problem is like Facebook hasn't detailed exactly how it wants to go about this, only that it plans to do it, right? For Facebook, it's always about increasing engagement, right? They, the way they see it is, well, if you can talk to one of your friends on Instagram through WhatsApp, then you'll necessarily use uh, either of the apps more often than you would otherwise. Um, and so it is this kind of continuing kind of um, maze that they want to get us into. Uh, so it's like, I think it's one of the more significant developments we've seen come out of Facebook in a while, and in, especially in a year that's been marked with so much controversy. Well, it's interesting. Let's break it down between the three platforms. WhatsApp is probably the most secure messaging platform out of the three right now because by default it has end-to-end -end encryption. So uh, it's very difficult for anyone to uh, listen in on your conversation. Facebook Messenger doesn't have it turned on by default, but you can turn it on if you so wish. And from my understanding, uh, Instagram messaging does not have it whatsoever. So uh, they'd obviously have to do a lot of work in the back end to make uh, all of those three platforms have uh, encryption and be able to work together. And I know a lot of security experts are saying that, you know, the only way to do it effectively was to really build it from the ground up again. Uh, and they're concerned that uh, Facebook will just kind of bolt this onto the existing platforms, making it less secure, like you were saying. Yeah, totally. And I I, it's like a really legitimate concern, right? Like this is a company that has proven time and time again that it really shouldn't be trusted with our private our, our, our uh, privacy and our data, right? Like just yesterday, TechCrunch published a report in which it said, you know, Facebook was essentially like uh, tricking teens into giving up their personal information, right? With uh, kind of this scheme in which they offer $20 for their data through an app. Um, so I think there's like so many legitimate concerns here where it's just another weakening of uh, user privacy. Well, uh, it was also interesting in the past week, uh, Mark Zuckerberg also did an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal just talking about how Facebook, uh, you know, uses advertising and, you know, they offer a free service, so they have to have advertising to, to pay for it. And they basically are saying that uh, users want more relevant ads. That's why Facebook wants all this uh, personal information. And so some are suggesting now that, you know, one of the big reasons that uh, Mark Zuckerberg's kind of on the offensive here, you know, 
doing this op-ed and also looking to merge these three platforms is that uh, the FTC and antitrust regulators are looking at uh, Facebook owning all these messaging platforms and that uh, they are basically a monopoly. And this is uh, a way for Mark Zuckerberg to make it more difficult for them to break it up because all these platforms will all be merged together. Right. It, it, I mean, that that's a point I hadn't considered, but it's certainly an interesting one. Like, obviously, the fact that he, you know, the Wall, the choice of the Wall Street Journal was not by mistake, right? Like, he was talking directly to investors of Facebook, right? Like, this is what we're going to do to protect your investment in Facebook. Um, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It really is about, you know, making sure that can't be... Uh, broken up because I think for a lot of people the question is like why were these why was Facebook allowed to buy Instagram and WhatsApp in the first place right especially now that we've seen how the company has treated people's private data. Well, uh, that is an interesting point. Uh, you know, back when they did buy Instagram and WhatsApp, I, I think for one billion and was it nineteen billion respectively, uh, no one really questioned that. But now you look at it, they they own all the messaging. You know, each one of those platforms has more than a billion users. There's no one really that can touch them when it, it, it comes to messaging. And like you said, with Facebook's track record of handling our private information, you know, where do we go from from here? You know, with WhatsApp, you know, to sign up for that, you basically have to give them a phone number. Uh, for Instagram, you can have anonymous accounts. And of course, Facebook, they want all your private information uh, to get to an account set up. So, you know, if you come in on one of those platforms under this new messaging, uh, combination that they're going to be doing like what kind of information do you have to give up yeah if i could just you know quickly take a step back what you said is really important because it's like the one thing that facebook has really shown itself to be good at is copying the features of um its competitors right like famously snapchat was put up as this competitor to instagram right and yet instagram has quickly become a replica of you know, beyond its original purpose of sharing uh, images, it's not more of a chat app, right? And it's all about the features that it took from Snapchat. Um, so, like, what it like, what competitor is there left to Facebook at this point? Because the company Nothing. has proven, right? The company has proven itself so adept at destroying its competitors, <laughs> right? Um, as for the data, you know, like, I think one of the like what's really worrisome here is just, you know, like I think Facebook, the reason it wanted to buy WhatsApp in the first place was because of the numbers, right? And I know there's, uh, so there's a situation in which uh, I remember reading that like if you enable two-factor authentication with Facebook, Facebook was using the number you gave as part of this um, security feature to target more, uh, to uh, deliver you more targeted ads, Right. Yes. So again, like the company, it has just a terrible track record across the board. And I'm sure we'll find out like more of its kind of depravities in the weeks and months <laughs> to come. Right? Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to stay on uh, top of that. We're talking with Igor Bonifacic uh, right now from MobileSyrup.com. Uh, again, a great website to uh, check out for uh, all your smartphone and uh, tech needs. Igor, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Likewise, Mike. Don't go away. When we come back from the break, we will have more apps, including travel, game, and fitness apps of the week. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. 
You are back with the App Show. Mike Graham and Christina here. We still got a few more apps to talk about. Graham, let's start off with our game app of the week. So our game app of the week is available for iOS, and it's called Hidden Folks. And so this is $1.49, and it's a game that's a bit like Where is Waldo? It's a black and white game, but it gives you a list of things in this hand-drawn picture that you have to find. So there are different people, uh, there are different uh, props, um, there are uh, different animals. And so you're looking around the screen trying to find these things and trying to match them up. And every time you poke or prod something, it makes a really fun sound. Uh, it sounds kind of silly, but it's actually it's a ton of fun for $1.49. Uh, it's a beautiful game. It has a, an iPad version as well as the iPhone version. And so that is Hidden Folks. I imagine it'd be better on a, a tablet like an iPad. You've got a little bit more space to play with. And it, I mean, the, I, like I said, these are hand-drawn uh, items. And they're, they're actually quite, it's quite cool. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. For kids or adults? I would say it's for anybody. Like this yeah. is a great, you know, waiting in the doctor's waiting room uh, type of app or, you know, sitting on transit. It's a, it's a good app for just kind of killing time. Next up, we have, of course, our travel app of the week. Christina, what do we have this time? This week, we have Tripsy. This is a new iOS app that holds all your information related to trips, such as flights, hotels, restaurants, and more. It's been optimized for iOS 12, so it has a clean, simple design. And the way it works is similar to your calendar. You define the start and end dates of your trip, and then you can enter activities throughout those days and add details like time and cost and things like that. The great thing about this one is that it is manual, um, a little bit more manual than than apps like Google Trips, which asks you to basically um, email your confirmations and then it does the work for you. The nice thing about having things manual is that uh, you control the information and there is less room for machine error there. Very cool. And again, Tripsy and we've Tripsy. got our, we've got our final app, Graham. It's our fitness app of the week. What's up? Well, th this one's kind of cool, and it was actually inspired by Christina. Christina has been going to the gym and hitting spin class pretty much every day for the last month, right? Yes, I have been on a 30-day challenge, 30 You've and 30. You've been on a streak. And so the, our app for today is called Streaks Workout. It is $5.49, and it's a great way to help you build good habits. So one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they go all out for their, uh, their workouts, and so streaks actually helps you by logging what it is that you do with exercises that you can choose, uh, building your streak every time that you do something. So it resets if you miss a session, but you can choose from a list of exercises and you can go for either a quick session or a 30 minute session and log all of these things as you do, working on improving your form and your performance every single time. So that is this week's fitness app of the week and it is streaks workout for iOS, $5.49. You know what? I have to say that uh, doing it this way where you're on a streak, it really does help build the habit. I've noticed a huge difference since I've started this challenge. That's all the time we have left for the app show. Graham, uh, people can get our podcast as well. Can you get the details? You can indeed. So if you go into iTunes under the podcast section, you can find us there. And also, if you're on Spotify, you can subscribe to us or listen to any episode at any time. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to give us a review, we'd uh, love to hear what you've got to say and uh, listen for us there. I want to thank Graham and Christina for helping produce the show and, of course, hosting it as well. This is Mike Graham and Christina signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.